0: One of the things that most, you know, ops people struggle with is to your point, the, the the big vision to say, is this even a product? And, you know, is this even a service? Is this something that we can make money doing? And it's fantastic when I can go to my operations people and go, hey, check this out. This is the new baby and it's making money right now. Go make it better. And they're like, OK, I can do that. I can do that.
1: Yeah. 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 Very cool. hundred percent, man. Hey, I'm Armando Leduc, producer, film actor, and owner of Leduc Entertainment. I have chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening depending on when you are consuming this podcast ladies and gentlemen back with another spaghetti on the wall with Don Monaster what's up dude
0: Man staying busy have it set.
1: Oh dude busy's good man busy's good yeah. you know there's they they say there's a recession going on Do you believe <laughs> it
0: Uh you know I'm sure there are certain industries that are struggling in in certain areas but Uh, technology, anything IT related doesn't seem to get that break. You know, I, I will say that we've been fortunate in that, you know, we don't get the super, super highs whenever the economy is just killing it. But we also don't get the super, super lows. I think we have become a necessity. And you know what? I don't mind that. That's not too bad.
1: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So tell me how you got involved in IT. So you got general informatics. Number one, let's General Informatics, IT company, Baton Rouge, but they don't just um, they don't just have uh, exist in Baton Rouge. They're all all over the South, right?
0: Yes, we are. So we have eleven locations throughout the Southeast. Um, I actually <clears throat> came on board about three years ago, and we had three locations at the time. So we've been expanding pretty aggressively through organic growth as well as through acquisition. And so, um, really excited about what we're doing here at at GI. It's been Man, it's been a wild ride. But as you can imagine, it, anybody in the tech space, you know, with what's going on with AI and security and all of these things that we get hit with every single day, um, it you know, it it's never a dull moment. So I, I chose an industry on accident, uh, and and turns out it was exactly the kind of thing that I enjoy and that I love because I get to do something different every day.
1: How did it happen by accident?
0: Oh, uh, so. I was uh, finishing up my my undergrad degree at Southeast Louisiana University. Shout out to to the Lions, and um, I had a buddy of mine who had opened up a systems integration company. It was he had a small retail shop and he was doing some networking back in the day. Now keep in mind, this is 1990, so it's not like it was it like it is today, right? Sure. And so I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I knew that at some point i was going to have to figure out something about this new thing called a personal computer because i know i knew i couldn't afford a mainframe so so i said you know what i'm going to go find out a little bit about pcs and and what all the hype is about and man i got there and i found out that i just had a knack for it my background was management i had a management degree i was really focused on you know what it takes to run an organization but i didn't really think that I would enjoy technology. Now I was like every other, you know, high school kid growing up. I like to tinker with my radio and my car and all that stuff. Um, but man, when I got to um, to my first day on the job, I started looking inside the machines. And back then we were building clone PCs, right? And so I started looking into the, you know, the the inner workings of the system and it just made sense to me. And so within two days I was building systems Mm -hmm. Um, which if you've ever done that, it's not super hard, but I recognized that I, I kind of got into this industry, um, when, you know, it was still DOS, it was still, you know, Microsoft windows had just come out with 1.0. It was horrible. And, and so I really got in on the ground floor and I, I just loved it. I loved what I was doing. And, and, um, very quickly I had taken over, I'd say after about six months of working, Uh, Here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I moved to Jackson, Mississippi, and we started running a team out there. And after three years of doing this right out of college, I decided, hey, I know everything I need to know. I'm going to go start my own company. And so I moved to Birmingham, Alabama, uh, got married, and opened my own systems integration company at the same time. I mean, Mm. what could go wrong, right? (laughs) So, yes. And despite, you know, really probably starting that company way too soon. Uh, I grew that over 15 years. Um, We were a typical value added reseller back in the day. And what that basically means is we represented various manufacturers like Dell and and EMC and, and Cisco. And we did everything that we could to add value from a professional services perspective. And then in 2004, really the consumption behavior of our consumers really started to change and, and what they were saying was, hey, I want our goals to be aligned. It seems like whenever I have a really bad day, you have a really good day. How can we align that? So I pay one price for services that you provide me and it can be a little bit more predictive. And, and that's what kind of started this whole process of managed services where you know we pay by the user, or we or the the consumer pays by the user, and man, it was a very big difference. It was a big change for our organization. But as soon as we started doing that and doing that well, we began to get a lot of attention from private equity. And mm. so in 2008, after 15 years of growing my company and really really sewing into what made us special. Um, I sold my company to a small private equity company out of Boston, and they merged me with a much larger company called TechLinks. And I was on the leadership team and and ran their sales department, ran um, you know what we were doing from a, a commercial sales perspective. And um, after about six years, I actually, um, we had sold the company to another private equity organization, and the new CEO came in and said, hey, man, you know, you're the only guy I got that has sales background, knows operations. You know, you you know your your formal training is all in operations. During that time, I got my master's degree, and um, and so he's like, hey, how about you move into more of the ops side of the business? And probably the best compliment I ever got was one day he walked in my office and he's like, hey man, you've outsold our ability to deliver, so can you go fix that? So, I uh, wow. eventually became the chief operations officer for that organization. Uh, A year and a half later, became the president, and um, we sold that company in 2018, and uh, not soon after that, um, a a private equity company out of Dallas uh, called me, Rosewood Private Investments, and said, hey, we're thinking about acquiring General Informatics, and we keep looking for the right CEO, and your name keeps coming to the top. I'm like, dude, you got to change your search algorithm. Something's not right there. But but nonetheless um they uh got me to come uh out back to Baton Rouge and I thought wow I've been in in Birmingham for uh, 27 years and I get to maybe hopefully finish out my career back home here in Baton Rouge and the cool thing about um about this whole experience is you know my mother still lives in in Hammond Louisiana so man every Sunday that I can I get to go eat spaghetti and meatballs
1: that's awesome man
0: <laughs> every sunday
1: very very cool what's the secret to such explosive growth man
0: man you know i've always said that you know when you've got the right financial partner um there's a lot of things that you can do but you got to be really really mindful of you know where you place your investments right you know we have a very specific organic strategy and how we grow into new territories uh as well as a very specific acquisition strategy, and I'll I'll start with the acquisition strategy. You know, we're not just looking for folks that, you know, want to sell, right? We we obviously have certain financial criteria that we have to meet. But more importantly, I want to find those businesses that have an opportunity to grow organically, but they just don't have the investment to do it. So what that does is give us kind of a one-two punch. So for instance, you know, if we acquire a business in Texas, let's say, I want to see what their plans are to expand past their market that they're in at that moment, and if those plans really can um, be, you know, kind of pushed forward with injection of capital, that is ripe for, you know, what we do when we engage with private equity. And and man, I've been private equity owned since 08. so I've I've been, you know, very familiar with that approach and how that works and what they're looking for. Um, so it's it's all about building that growth engine that can supply private equity what they're looking for. The other piece of this is organic growth. Like how do you build a sales engine that truly can generate organic growth? Cause you can't just acquire yourself um, to growth. You have to show at some point that you have the ability to run the organization and grow the organization without doing acquisition. And that has everything to do with your overall, you know, marketing automation, which is really the tip of the spear. And then how does that marketing automation um create lead generation so that your sales team can come in and 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 take those leads and and bring them to to close so it's about having a very specific process with my background being in operations um we don't just focus on operational processes and procedures but we do the same in marketing and in sales as well so um it's all about having a process and working that process and tweaking that process i always say if you you have a plan you can tweak your plan um if you don't have a plan you can't tweak so uh it's all about having that plan and that process so that you are moving your company towards growth
1: talk to me about your kpis and and how that was established and how you guys kind of put put all of those things in place and you know holding people accountable are you familiar with eos
0: yes very familiar with eos in fact i would argue that um I was one of the first uh, to really jump on the EOS bandwagon back in 2008-ish, when Gino Wickman first came out with his book, and it really, at the time, I was actually studying management frameworks, and it's really how I, I ended up publishing my books was kind of some motivation from Gino. I was looking at what he was doing. I studied the Baldridge system. I'd study a number of different frameworks, ITIL framework. And what I found was, hey, man, there's something to be said about what we do specifically in technology and how we go about, you know, executing our day-to-day business. And I kind of took what Gino was talking about, what I read in Baldridge, what I was studying in ITIL and came up with this framework that was very specific for it and so that's what i started to implement when i was at tech links and we continued to 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 grow the organization and scale the organization which is a lot different than growing right scale is a little bit different in that you're growing the revenue while you know the pace of of the cost is not growing nearly as fast and so what i started to Recognize was hey we're kind of onto something, and uh, I, someone approached me and said hey can you can you write all this down and and you you want to publish a book because this is really effective, and I I recognized at the time look I didn't want to just write something about you know corporate success or even success as an executive, I wanted to put people in a really good position to be successful so that they could execute at a at a level that's much higher than just the average person. So I started um, my enhanced series of books and it wasn't called that at the time, but uh, just so happened as I was going through this process of, of helping one of my executives learn the process, he says, man, it's like I'm on steroids. And I was like, ah, enhanced performance. <laughs> and so instead of performance enhancing something, we said, hey, it's the enhanced performance of life, enhanced performance of uh, executive in my latest book that came out this past November, Enhanced, Perform- Enhanced Corporate Performance. So um, all three of those books talk about how do you put yourself in the best position to be successful? How do you execute at a super high level? And how do you do that consistently? And to your point about the question on KPIs, it you've got to measure it. You've got to find out what are those leading indicators that happen in your organization that happen in your job role. And for that matter, what happens in your life that tells you you're moving in the right direction. And man, I track it every single day. Um, There are some really specific things that I look at. You know, one of them is is how how am I doing as 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 a as a husband? How am I doing as a boss? How am I doing as a friend? All of those things tie in and um, it helps us get to that place that we want to be, which you know, most people, when I was doing research for my book, you know, I asked the question, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And I asked a hundred executives and the lion's share of the executives say, I just want to leave a legacy. Well, that's a pretty big ask. You know, that's not, that's not, I, I want to have a, I just want to have a job or I want to be a little bit successful. I mean, I want to be remembered after I'm long gone. And, and it's really difficult to do that. And I created something called a legacy impression. And a legacy impression is when you've done something, you've sown into someone, you've coached someone, you've helped someone, and, and it's done such a good job for them in their life that they provided you with information back saying, hey, this one thing that you did for me changed my world. And when I get those things, when that happens in my life, man, I write it down. I make sure if, if they have sent me an email or sent me a photo or whatever, I save that and I put it in my what I call my win box because brother there's plenty of days that I've been kicked in the teeth <laughs> and every once in a while I go back to that win box and go all right I'm doing something right cuz I'm influencing I'm I'm taking the opportunity to uh to to you know sow into people and put them in a really good position to be successful so um man that's that's if we're not measuring what we're doing if we're not tracking the things that are super important to our life and to our business. Then it's really hard to know whether or not you're you're moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, man, good point. I'm reading a book right now. It's called "10x is better than 2x." Are you familiar?
0: Yes. Yeah, Ooh. I am. I, I haven't read it. I read the original uh, 10x book.
1: Oh, by um, Grant Cardone. By Grant. Cardone, yeah, yeah, it's a who, completely different book. Completely. Really? Di- oh, completely different. Uh, man, I, I, I
0: I'm gonna put it on my list. Oh,
1: dude, it will. It has change the molecules of my brain <laughs> wow. um yeah you know there's very very another book that did that for me was called switch that was another yes. really good book but this one was just like okay you know it's just they wrote a book called the gap and the gain and it was good good that you mentioned that like you wrote down this like um win box right because yeah, a lot of yeah. people they're 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 measuring themselves to an ideal that they're never going to reach Right. Right. And when they right. get and when they start to get sort of all of these wins, they forget about it. And they and they become more and more depressed because they're always focused on the ideal and never on the gains of what got them there to begin with. Right. So yeah. I love that you write that stuff down in, in, in a win box. I'm, I'm going to start um, I'm going to start writing that stuff down, too. But um, but yeah, like it's it, it really is fascinating when you're scaling a company the things that you have to ignore, right? And delegate out because you can't work on, because you can't, not everything is important, right? And the delineation, I don't know if that's the word, but um, figuring out what's important and what's not, right? And having that discernment to make sure that you are working on the rocks, right? For your company and making sure that that is what we're working on a quarterly basis to make sure that at the end of the year, we're somewhere, Right.
0: Yeah. You know, you hit on something and it's almost as if you were in my uh, executive meeting this morning. You know, one of the hardest things for me is really I place a super high value in execution. I I don't like it when I see CEOs who all they do is plan and strategy and la la la. And it's like, hey, man, somebody's got to go sell something. Right. (laughs) Like, let's go do something. Right. And so but I probably lean too far into the execution and so my team holds me accountable. They're like, that's not something the CEO needs to be working on. You should have said no to that. And there are times where I'm like, all right, well, I'm in. So if y'all can handle it, y- y'all do it. But they're like, no, finish. Because, you know, you're you're the only one qualified to do it. But the answer should have been no. And so I get those guys to hold me accountable to that because um, I can get out of hand with that. And you're right. There are certain things that you just have to say no to. And And one of the things that I I tell our team all the time is I want you to be passionate, but I don't want you to be overly emotional. Like Mm. be passionate about what you do. Make sure that we're out there grinding and doing the right things and making sure that we're not just talking to people about numbers. We're not just talking to people about KPIs. We're talking to them about their family. We're talking to them about, you know, hey, how how is this influencing and impacting your life? But we can't get overly emotional about that, right? Yeah. Be passionate for people, be passionate for what we do for our customers. But man, if you react emotionally, a lot of times you forget the logic and and you can overreact, or for that matter, underreact to a situation that, that really needs a little bit more attention.
1: Yeah, um, there's a good book, it's called The Six Types of Working Genius. Have you read it?
0: No, I have not. Man, you're giving me great.
1: You know, I, I, I wish I could take credit for all of these books, but I got a, a financial advisor and, you know, my mentor who's always like, read this book. Now read this book. Now read this. <laughs> right, right. But uh, the six tops of working genius really changed my relationship with my employees. But it also changed my relationship with my wife, yes. because in the book, there's acronyms called uh, widget, right? Wonder, invention, discernment, galvanizing, enablement oh. and tenacity. And Your each. I love that. Oh, dude. All of the. Uh, so so everybody has two of these strengths and two of the weaknesses. Right. Yes. And so if you can find in the organization who's good at these different things, then you're going to you, you know, it's like a rocket. Right. So yeah. wonder is like all of the people that are wonder, you know, love questions and then inventors are the idea guys. 30 30 ideas an hour, right? Yeah. Uh yeah. discernment are the people that are good at discerning whether or not an idea is good. And I have, yeah, that is not my quality, right? But my wife, my project manager, and COO all high on discernment. And yeah. I always thought that they were just shitting on my parade. I'm like, why are you guys crapping on <laughs> why, my ideas? Yeah. Right?
0: Why are y'all doctor no? Yeah, but they're <laughs> like, but what
1: they were doing was they were like Armando, you didn't really think about this. You didn't think about this, yeah. this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So now I'm going through an impact filter, which I I learned from that book, Who Not How, in terms yes. of like an idea. And I'm like, all right, am I, is this idea just an idea? Is this an idea that it can like marry with another idea? Or is this just a distraction? You know? Yeah. And so now I'm like, yeah. you know, and then, uh, galvanizing is people that are good at rallying the troops, motivating yeah. enablement yeah. are your people that are like support staff. Don't need the, the, the spotlight. And then tenacity yeah. are the people that love to carry it over, which I think you probably have a lot of tenacity. Yeah. Yeah. I now, don't, it- I don't. So I could come up with <laughs> an idea and I had the epiphany the other day cause I was talking to another visionary type and I was like, I was like, do you have the idea where you like, in your brain, you see an idea and you've lived it. Like you can see it all the way to completion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for you, yeah. you've, you've already lived it and you don't necessarily need to see it finished because in your brain, you've already seen it. Right. But it right. drives other right. people crazy, especially, you know, if you're running that CEO, CEO, <laughs> you know, and they're like, no, 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 this needs to be done. We are going to finish yeah. this. And I'm like, hallelujah. You know, that's you been did. the thing.
0: It's so funny because you reminded me of in my TechLinks days, I had a, a gentleman who was over marketing and he was a, a fantastic visionary. He was one of the top guys in the MSP space, in the technology space, just from a standpoint of productization and and making sure that the messaging was really clean and crisp. And, and he would literally stand up on a stage, I'd sit in the audience and he'd say something and he goes, Hey, is any of that true? (laughs) Like, Yeah, yeah. Let me let me change just one or two words. But, yeah, that's 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 remarkably good way to position that. And he used to tell, you know, whenever he would do presentations or whenever we'd go do consulting, he's like, look, I I come up with these ideas. And then Don tells me whether or not we can go execute them, because at the time I was a chief operations officer. And so I was very much that guy that said, all right. That's that's a bridge too far. We can't do that. But if we tweak this a little bit, we can deliver it that way. And so I had to shift, you know, when I became the president and then started moving more into, you know, the more, you know, the, the CEO role or the president role, I had to shift my thinking of I can't be worried about the execution side as much and let those guys and gals who are responsible for the execution, go handle that. And Mm. so what I've found that I I typically will do is I'll build something in a very entrepreneurial way, because that's kind of what I love to do. And I'll get all the processes working. And then like I hand it to somebody and go, okay, go make that better. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so, and they do, right. I mean, if you hand them something, one of the things that most, you know, ops people struggle with is to your point. The 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 big vision to say is this even a product, and you know is this even a service? Is this something that we can make money doing? And it's fantastic when I can go to my operations people and go, "Hey, check this out. This is the new baby, and it's making money right now. Go make it better." And they're like, "Okay, I can do that. I can do that."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Hundred percent, man. So um, switching gears a little bit because I know you guys do MSP. Um, Yeah, I'm sure you guys are obviously handling like hospitals and big, you know, um, attorneys and things like that. What about the guys that are like, you know, small business owners that are also at risk? How are you, or or are they even on your radar or, um, or you guys are just kind of dealing with big fish?
0: Great question. So I would say 70% of our business is going to be a hundred users and below. So I deal with folks like that all day every day and sadly for them they have the same needs as you know the you know 500 bed hospital right and they've got to figure out okay how can I do that in a budget that I can afford and and man I tell folks because I I one of those departments or divisions that I created was our security division and <clears throat> I I say all the time I could spend every Dollar you have in it on security alone, and still not promise you that you're safe. I mean, it's it's a misnomer. Anybody Oof. that says that is gonna lie to you about other things too. So you know, move on. When they say you're 100% safe, there's just no way, because the fact that humans interact with the devices that we support is part of the the issue, right? And um, there's there's a lot of room for error if we're not doing everything we need to do from an education perspective. My job is to drastically reduce the propensity of that ever happening. right? And then the second phase, which nobody likes to think about is, okay, let's go build the plan of what that day, what day two or what hour two or minute two looks like when we realize we've been breached. Nobody likes to have that conversation because they can say, well, you're supposed to keep me from being breached. Yes, but we need to be prepared. And so what does that look like? And so to answer your question, man, we are constantly working with that small business owner who is just trying to find out, hey, how can I exist, put myself in the best position to be successful and reduce my risk as much as possible? Because it truly is a, a kind of a risk tolerance conversation. You know, I can I can, you tell me what you're willing to tolerate and then we can build a budget around that because we have base levels of security we have really advanced levels of security and for each industry it's a little different right if you're somebody who is you know providing support for the dod that's a very different conversation and then if you work at you know jimmy's jiffy lube right but it's still important sure. you, still, you know jimmy's jiffy lube always tells me hey man, like, why does anybody care about my data? And I'm like, they don't, they know you do. So if they can have access to it and they can control it and they can encrypt it so that you can't use it, you'll pay for that. Mm. And trust me, there are businesses that people wake up in the morning, pick up their briefcase and go off to the business that is 100% illegal, but that's what they do day in and day out. And it's like a regular job for them. And so our job is to make sure that they're not Getting to um, to any of our customers, and and man, it's a day, it's a it's a daily grind. It is a daily grind for our security side. But you know, we we do everything we can to wrap process and procedure around the distribution and the and the delivery of IT services, because the more um, effective and efficient that is, the lower the cost is. And that's something that I think we've done a really good job of because yes, we do have a number of, you know, hospitals and banks and they have to adhere to a lot more governance than, you know, a smaller business. But man, the 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 goal is the same. The goal is to give me access to my data, you know, whenever I, I, I need it, make sure that the data has integrity and make sure it's safe and make, you know, and, and that's, it's the same goal for everybody.
1: How do you convince somebody, especially business owners, I feel like business owners are very risk, they're high on the risk taking, right?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So you're, you're, you know, businesses do what? Three things. They make you money, save you money or mitigate risk. Right. Right. So you guys are mitigating risk. Yeah. Right. How are you, you know, what's that sales conversation like when you're like, listen, man, (laughs) Yeah. I know you're I know you're safe. I know you've been safe yeah. or or you think you're safe, right? Like we're we're Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, we're in this la la land of of thinking that, you know, we're we're not going to get it, right? But yeah. Yeah. then you get it and then you you know, you're 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 sort of screwed. So how are you, how does that sales conversation happen where it doesn't feel so I guess heavy-handed?
0: Yeah, no, it's a fair question and and look, sometimes for their own good, you've got to be a little bit more passive about what's really the the case, right? I mean, you know, I don't appreciate the fear mongering that goes on in our industry because it makes our jobs even harder. It's like, you know, every time you turn around somebody somebody's saying, you know, it's going to cost you $8 million if you ever got breached. And like, I, it's not gonna cost me $8 million because my company's not worth $8 million. So we, like that, that never resonates mm. with, with, End users and to your point entrepreneurs are inherent risk takers they like to take risk heck it, it gets them it gets some kind of you know juiced up right and so the the conversation is more about you know risk tolerance um, risk management and and making sure that you know they understand that whether you believe you're doing it actively or not you're you're managing your risk every day. You're trying to decide, hey, should I do this level of advertising with this amount of money to beat my competitor so that I don't risk losing market share, right? So you're talking about risk every day. When we talk about IT risk, I can I can honestly say, look, it's really not a question of if, it's a question of when. And it may be very innocuous when it happens, but what the case, you know, how how bad that is, is really dependent upon, you know, the person that takes over your data and what they want in return. And, you know, don't get me wrong, the bigger targets are the ones that get the, you know, the, the really heavy hitter type approaches from, from cyber attacks. But at the end of the day, this is this game for them is volume. It's how many people can I get, you know, 15 grand from or 20 grand from. Because if I get one company that'll pay me $10,000 to get their data back, then I have had a good day. And you right. know, you know, like those guys are measuring KPIs too, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sadly.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah
0: So a lot of times we have the opportunity to tell stories that are true. And man, when I love it, when a business owner gets a breach, goes through that process with me, and says, "Hey man, I give you permission to tell everybody because I don't want this to ever happen to anyone else." And and that's a good approach these days because you know, 5 years ago, you got breached, nobody told anybody anything, right? It was like, you know, don't say that. We don't want people to think that, you know, we are not being, you know, prudent and how we protect protect our data. At least today because we know it's a lot more prevalent than what you know we thought it was five years ago it was just as prevalent back then just people didn't talk about it right, right. um but yeah it, it's um it's a it's a difficult conversation especially for that entrepreneur who is used to taking risk. and he's like look i can't spend that amount of money because i don't think that's ever going to happen like okay let's let's walk through that and then if you still feel that way you then we'll go with the base level of security and 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 we'll all hope for the best. Just recognize when we see traffic on your network or we see, you know, attempts to try to get into your firewall, we're going to let you know that. And we're not just telling you that because we want to sell you something. We're telling you that because you need to be informed so that you can make good decisions in the future.
1: Mm. I love that, Um, dude. It's a, it's such a, I was at an MSP conference, um, at Kaseya, in Vegas a couple, couple years ago, yeah. this, d- yeah. y- your industry is just, it's blowing up, man. Yes. Like people, <laughs> you know, people out there, you know, if they're thinking about what, you know, what they should be getting into Yeah, this IT. I mean, there's, well, you
0: know, and it's funny, man, like, uh, like if you start looking at what the, the hot buttons are these days, like data analytics and You know, I I, I say a lot, you know, we've got a ton of information, but we don't have a whole heck of a lot of actionable knowledge. So how do we make actionable knowledge in our company so that we can go execute better? And man, our data analytics business is exploding We're you know, we're seeing more and more people with these massive data sets going, hey, we have all this data, but we don't really know, you know, we'd like to do some, you know. Everybody keeps talking about artificial intelligence. I'm like, man, most people aren't even doing trend analysis, right? I mean, most people aren't looking at their data to see, you know, what products and services they're selling and when.
1: Wait, and- wait, wait. So you guys do that?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, heck yeah.
1: So you guys work with, like, you know, sales analytics, um, that, the, the whole nine, like, and in, in just feeding feeding, I guess, a machine and then at the end of the month getting reports back.
0: Very, so we do it in very specific industries. One of the ones that we do it the most in is actually the maritime industry. Mm. And you would be shocked at how much data um, is collected and how much money can be saved you know, from goods and services coming off ships into ports and then getting to the consumer, right? Like all of those steps in that process, there's goes, there's so much data that goes into that and we're able to to extract that information and and provide that information back to them where they they really can see value in, in, in having that data extracted but we're finding it in many different industries where people are saying hey i just need some help taking you know our current processes and procedures and and using our normal kpis and, and building some sort of trend analysis that will tell me so like you know what Power BI allows you to do, like the Microsoft suite has really helped facilitate this because a lot of that data is sitting in, you know, in an SQL server or in a, um, you know, in a database of some sort that that Microsoft has, and that that whole process of grabbing that data and extrapolating true actionable knowledge is um, is pretty effective, and it's and it's. It's really kind of cool to watch whenever you provide a report, and man, the eyes light up, and they're like, "Man, this, you know how how cool this is? You know how this is going to make us better decision makers." That's fun. That is a whole lot of fun.
1: I I, I look. I just started um actually hiring a MS a, a MSP COO like fractional COO person um yeah. that like strictly deals with MSPs, but cannot can do other businesses, and I'm like come on, yeah. I need this, I need yeah. this data, I need this yeah. data analyzed, you know, I really yes. want, you know, because you're right, if you know, you know, if you have the information, you can make better decisions. If you don't even know what you don't know, you're like, you're sitting there and you're going, all right, am I, is yeah. this being effective? Is, is it not being effective? How effective is it? You know, yeah. is this a waste yeah. of time? <laughs> you yeah. know, that's the biggest thing too. I think people, a lot of people waste time, you yes. know, trying to see Uh if something works. And, you know, and and let me ask you that at what point do you bail on an idea? Yeah,
0: such a good question. And, and part of our, our framework and how we run the business is, you know, we have a very specific set of criteria that we have to meet for the year. And it's, we, we use the calendar year. Um, we have three very specific initiatives for the year and we build KPIs around that initiative and we agree Hey, when we review our KPIs, we if we see a number that we don't like, we have to make one of three decisions. We do nothing because the current plan is hasn't had enough time to work. Mm. We tweak something because it needs to be tweaked because what we're seeing in from a trend perspective is not giving us what we think or we completely change it. So but we're not going to do nothing. We're going to actively decide, no, today's not the day to change it. And so as a CEO, and for that matter, our COO and my CRO, you know, you start listening for, hey, guys, that's the third time I've heard we're not going to change anything. Tell me what – if the trend is showing something that's the antithesis of that decision, tell me what you're seeing that makes you believe we're doing the right thing. Mm. And so – you kind of change the, the the conversation a little bit, and look, you may decide, okay, we'll 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 keep this path for another month. But again, if you're not tracking that, if you didn't have the plan to begin with, you're just kind of, you, you know, hope <laughs> is the strategy, right? And so. <laughs> I, you know, we don't, we don't run the business that way. And we make sure that when we make decisions, we're being very, very deliberate and very disciplined because if you're both and you have the discipline to track all of that information, you have the discipline to execute at that level, then it, business becomes a lot less magical. Right. And, 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 you know, dare I say, you know, um, I don't know, I guess the word would be like, um like elusive and it's much easier to find the answers to the questions that you're asking every day. So, um, yeah, you got to build a plan. And and look, that's one of the things that I love doing as as an entrepreneur is is helping organizations build a plan. And one of our um, services that we provide here is our virtual COO, excuse me, virtual CIO and virtual CISO services. And one of the my favorite things that I love to do, and this is one of those things that I have to say no to every once in a while, is a virtual CIO uh, engagement where they contract with us for a year or two years to build the plan and help them track those things that are important to their organization and how do they build a risk management program and how do they Address these issues both from a technology perspective, but also from an operational perspective. And you know, back in the day, the the, the key word was DevOps. Everybody said, "Oh, you got to have DevOps. You got to have Dev." And it's true. You like having, you know, what I call enterprise architecture—an architecture of how to run your enterprise—and that's everything from human resources to um, technical tool sets to application programs. And then to process and procedure and making sure all of that is interwoven and super tight, those are the companies that ha- have hyperscale. Mm. And and look, I it's funny. I was as I was studying all this in my 30s, which is you know further back th- there than I it was I last year, it, bro. It. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Um, I was thinking to myself, wow, man, this this whole management framework thing can really create some scale and i didn't recognize that i was doing something that private equity was salivating over mm-hmm. and so it was not an accident that i started listening to what they were saying and hearing how they wanted to scale and i'm like yeah i can do that i can i can show you how to how we do that and so you know i became somewhat of a target you know for private equity because they're like hey this guy not only does he know how to do it he he heck he wrote a book about it right you know like we've got we've got if you want to know the corporation what to do, there it is enhanced corporate performance. And that's how, how do you take your executives and get them executing at a super high level? Yeah. And, and then putting them all in that one framework and just let them go.
1: That's it's fun. Read it, man. 10x is better than 2x. You're, you're doing it. That's it. That's it. I'm going to read it. That's exactly what you're doing because you're filtering everything that you're doing to the 10x model, right? And then everything yes. that's 2x, you, 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 you ignore. Everything else right. is ten x, right? That's right. if this is your strength, this is what you love, then keep doing that, dude. I we, could talk to you all day, man. Your wealth of knowledge, <laughs> well, <laughs> but thank um, you. Um, tell them where they can find you.
0: Yeah, so uh, a couple of places: um, our website geninf dot um, You can get us there. Um, you can email me directly at donm at geninf uh, you can call us locally here in Baton Rouge, 225-767-7670. Um, and man, look, I'm, I get email all day every day and I answer every one of them um, because it's important for me to get really close to the field, what my customers are looking for, what my prospects are looking for um, because we can't make good decisions if I don't know what's what you value right, as my consumer. And so we're always looking for ways to communicate.
1: I love it, man. Um, y'all, if you guys need um, IT services, can't recommend General Informatics high enough. You guys are uh, the real deal, um, and you guys know Connor um, had him on the show earlier. So, um, yeah. y'all, uh, y'all, 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 check them out um, and and hit them up because uh, they got some stuff going on, and we can get your book on Amazon. I'm sure.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, if you just uh, go and and you can search either. Uh, the Enhanced Series, or just search my name, Don Monastery, it'll go right to it.
1: Fantastic, man. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, man. And that was Spaghetti on the Wall, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by Leduc Entertainment for all of your digital marketing needs, social media, podcasting. We got you. And you can watch Spaghetti on the Wall anywhere, guys. Google it. Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. We're all over the place. And we'll see y'all next week.